page 1390 in the church Bible this morning. It'll be the first page of 1 Peter 1. No apologies. This is a little longer uh, scripture, but I couldn't find a place to stop. It's so good. So um, we're going to read verses 13 through 21. And as far as I know, um, we've got nobody on our prayer list right now. Bless the Lord for that. So... <clears throat> All right, beginning of verse 13. Therefore, gird up the loins of your mind, be sober, and rest your hope fully upon the grace that is to be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, not conforming yourselves to the former lust as in your ignorance, but as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct, because it is written, Be holy, for I am holy. And if you call on the Father, who without partiality judges according to each one's work, conduct yourselves throughout the time of your stay here in fear, knowing that you were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver or gold from your aimless conduct received by tradition from your fathers, but with precious blood of Jesus Christ, as of the Lamb without blemish and without spot, he indeed was foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you, who through him believe in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory, so that your faith and hope are in God. Amen. Thank you, Lord, for that strong word. I just see such a transformation in Peter's life, you know. <clears throat> he's just like us. He was a loose cannon earlier in his ministry with Jesus. He was corrected many times, even told, get behind me, Satan. And Lord, we pray for that same kind of transformation in our hearts as well. That's what we pray for. Bless you, Jesus. We thank you for this picture that you give us in the maturity, the spiritual um, wisdom you've given Peter in his latter days. Lord, we just we, we plead 
that you would grant us that as we go through each day, Lord. Lord, we bless you for such an awesome, awesome picture that you draw in that scripture of how we are to come and to be new creations by your transformation and by your blood. Only by your blood can we be saved. Bless you, Lord. We thank you for this plan for us who had no chance on our own, but by your, by your love and by your sacrifice. We have hope. We thank you, Lord, for um, the opportunity to come, to praise you, to give you all praise and honor in all that you do. Father, I would pray that your mighty hand would continue. You have established this place. Your mighty hand would continue to cover us, would continue to lead us as a congregation in everything that we do. We just pray, Lord, that your wisdom would overflow in this place and your protection and your spirit, your mighty, holy spirit would be here today and would rule and would reign in our hearts. Bless you, Lord. We thank you for these things. In your name we pray, Jesus. Amen.
see Jesus lifted high. I want to see Jesus lifted high. I want to see Jesus lifted high. Yes, I do. I want to see Jesus lifted high.
was before there was light Walked across the pages of time He who made every living thing Behold Him He who heard humanity's cry Left His throne to wake as a child He became like the least of us Behold Him Jesus, Son of God, Messiah The Lamb, the Roaring Lion Oh, be still and behold Him He who died with sinners and sinners 
Good morning. Well, amen and amen to all those wonderful praise songs this morning and, and this place of, uh, of, of prayer before we begin to look at God's word. And, and so, Father, um, we just are excited to be here and rejoice in the things that you're going to show us this morning. So we're going to return. We've been gone for a little bit from John, but we're going to return today. We've been studying and celebrating the feast for the last few weeks. But we're going to go back and we're going to be in John chapter 10 today, page 1235. Page 1235. And I, I'm so excited to hear what this message has to say because I've been studying all week and looking at things and God has shown me things and, and, and helped enlarge my understanding. But even this morning, he was just giving me new understanding about some places. And so I, I am looking forward to him pulling this together and allowing us to see his word. You know what that is, and just so we kind of think about this, is, is as I've been studying, I've been looking at the logos, right? The logos, the written word. But what he's been doing is the rhema word. He's been taking that word and, and speaking into my heart and my understanding to bring truth to his word. So by that, what I want to say is we need both of these places, we need the Logos and we need the Rhema Word. We need to hear from Him. So I want you to, to um, think about that as we study today. So uh, a few weeks ago when we were in chapter 9, you might remember we studied chapter 9, and, and the Lord began to talk to me even in chapter 9, and, and, and He put this, He implanted this thought in my head that there was something about chapter 10 that had to do with chapter 9. And I knew it, but I didn't know what it was. And, um, it, and I'd even kind of ask him, but he hadn't chosen to open that up yet. And uh, so as I began to study, he took me back and helped me to see this place that where 9 actually goes right in and feeds 10 and um, has a, a lot to say about what, uh, we're going to see today. But one thing I want you to remember is when John wrote this gospel, there were no verse numbers and there were no chapter numbers. So he's just writing and it's going together and it is fluid. But sometimes when we see a chapter, we go, okay, that thought was finished and now we start into a new thought. That's not what's going on here. So I want to take just a brief minute and review a little bit of what was going on in chapter 9. So if you remember in chapter 9, Jesus, he, uh, in fact, you can just turn the page back if you'd like, if you like to kind of keep up in chapter uh, 9 verse 1, just one page back. And it says that Jesus passed by and he saw a man who was blind. So he's walking along and he finds this man that is blind. And if you remember, the disciples said, who sinned here? 
the mother, the father, this man. Who, and, and so they had these questions to try to understand why this man was blind since birth. And we talked about that and the understanding that comes that they had over generational sin. But Jesus said, neither sinned here. This one was for the glory of God. And he healed the man. And, uh, and, and he was uh, able to see. And the Pharisees were around and saw this take place, and they became very angry with Jesus. You might remember that. Because he had healed this man on the Sabbath. And so Jesus, in their mind, had broken one of their laws. And um, they felt like they had put these laws in place to protect God's laws. But they had gone out of the realm of what the heart of the father is and created all these burdens is what Jesus says. They're burdens that you've placed on the people. They're laws that are not truly of God and not of the heart of the father. And so Jesus uh, healing on the Sabbath did not break God's laws. But the Pharisees were mad about that. And let me see, if you come on over here in verse 34, I believe, um, you know, they, well, they were asked, it's actually in verse 33, they were asking this man, they said, you know, who, who healed you? And he said, I really don't know, but here is how this was. And, and, and they're saying, you know, this man is not of God. And, and, and the man that was made um, to see said, if this man were not of God, he could not do this. He could do nothing, it says. And then it says, and they answered and said to him, you were completely born in sin and you were teaching us. And they cast him out. So they got really mad that the man was actually um, okay with Jesus and was supporting Jesus. And the Pharisees, in their arrogance and in their pride, were very angry that this man would dare to speak up to teach them the rulers of the, or, uh, the overseers of the law. And uh, that's one of the things I want you to remember today is that the Pharisees are right here and they're the religious leaders. Then I want you to go down with me to verse 37. And it says, And Jesus said to him, You have both seen him. And it's, oh, I'm sorry. Let's go back up because that doesn't really make sense. I want to go to 30. Well, let's go on to 35. Jesus heard that they had cast him out. So they kicked him out of the temple. And when he had found him, he said to him, Do you believe in the Son of God? And he answered and said, Who is he, Lord, that I may believe in him? And Jesus said to him, You have both seen him, and it is he who is talking with you. And when he said this, Lord, I believe, and he worshipped him. So he chose to see who Jesus was saying that he was, that he is the Son of God, and this man chose to believe, whereas the Pharisees made a choice in their arrogance and pride to be against the things that Jesus was doing, and they would not believe. And then verse 39 um, 
and 40, it comes on down. Um, let's look at verse 40. It says, And some of the Pharisees who were with him heard these words and said to him, Are, you, are we blind also? And so Jesus is saying to them, You know, I came that those who can't see can see, and those who say they can see, they, they won't be able to see. And he helps us to understand that in verse 41. It says, Jesus says to them, If you were blind, you would have no sin. And now you say, we see, therefore your sin remains. What he's saying is, is that if you were blind, I came to open your eyes. I came to give you sight. And so if you recognize your blindness then Jesus is saying, I would do this for you. But if you say, we got this, we see, we understand all things, we know all things, in your arrogance and pride, pride he says, you know, then you're going to be blind and your sin is going to remain. You're not going to be able to see spiritually. You're going to stay and remain in your sin. So that is what's going on as we open up chapter 10. Who he's talking to is his disciples are right there and the Pharisees, the religious leaders. So starting in verse 10, I mean uh, chapter 10 verse 1, and we're going to read a little bit and then come back and talk a little bit about this. It says, most assuredly I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs up some other way, the same is a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the doorkeeper opens, and the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And when he brings out his own sheep, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. Yet they will by no means follow a stranger, but will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. Jesus used this illustration, but they did not understand the things which he spoke to them. Then Jesus said to them again, Most assuredly I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. And all who ever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. The thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. All right, let's talk about this a little bit. So you remember he's got these Pharisees standing here and they are angry with him for heal, healing on the Sabbath and they are against what he's doing and there's all this opposition and he's basically telling them because of where you are, you're blind and you're going to remain in your sin, right? And then he opens this up. And he says, most assuredly, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs up some other way, is a thief and a robber. I want you to understand a little bit about the picture that Jesus is giving us. And um, 
this was a place that was very common in the biblical days, both in the Old Testament and the New Testament, to have a shepherd that would oversee sheep. And so as I've been studying about these, I, I, I've never had any sheep, but I've done a lot of reading over the last few years about sheep. And a couple of things I've learned about them is, first of all, they're very dumb. They are not like a horse or even a cow. They're certainly not like a dog. So it's interesting that Jesus would pick this animal. Yes. To give us a picture of who we are. The other thing is when I, and a, a few years ago, I had a picture up on the screen that I didn't do today, but I looked up pictures of sheep. And when I think about a sheep, I don't know about you, but I think about a little lamb. And, and so that's what goes into my mind. And there are these cute little lambs that are just a few days old, and they've been laying on the straw and the, and the hay, and they're all clean and fuzzy and, and just snuggly. And, you know, we have all these little uh, stuffed animals that are lambs, and that's what I want to picture what Jesus is saying here. But he doesn't use the term lamb. He actually uses the term sheep. And so sheep have a whole different picture. So if you just have some time, you might flip through the internet and look at what sheep look like when they're fully grown and when they're out in the field and in the pastures. And they are a mess. They are dirty. Nobody's combed to their hair. And they are not the show sheep that we're thinking of. No, they are filthy. And they have burrs that have gotten all into their stuff into their um, wool there you go thank you and they have all this dirt going on and and they're very big you know they're not all that big inside but they have so much hair and uh, or, or wool that it's just everywhere and it's really very untamed looking and um and they're a mess but not only are they a mess to look at they're a mess in their, um, in, their, in their ways. Uh, they're very fearful. I read about that. They're very, very fearful. And uh, they don't really like to uh, anything to disturb them, any kind of noise or anything like that. They, they just kind of want to mosey along. Nobody kind of upsets us. We're just going along here. And, um, but if something comes to try to attack them, this is hilarious to me, but when I read about if a wild beast comes after them, a lion or a wild dog or, or, or something, uh, a bear, you know, um, Daniel said, wasn't it Daniel that said, I've killed a bear and I've killed a lion because they were coming after the sheep and he goes after the Goliath and, and so the bears had been coming after the sheep apparently. So what they do, the herd... This is so us. They circle up. They stick their butts out. <laughs> and they put their heads together. So that all that's back here is all their little behinds. They're just hiding is what they're doing. They're sticking their heads all in here and going, let's not look at this. 
Danger is coming, and let's not look at this. This is the picture that God has for us to look at today. And he calls us sheep. But as I was looking at this, I was so reminded, I thought, Lord, it's so awesome the things you've taught us because to understand this, we have now understand a little bit about the sheep. But let's understand about this door because he's talking about the door, that there is this door. And he even says in verse 2, he says, but he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. So the door, how the door comes into play is that the shepherds would take their sheep every day out into the field to graze and, and to have water. Now here's the thing, that what I've read is, is that if they don't have a shepherd to lead them, they don't know how to find pasture. They don't know how to find water. And they don't go moseying around for it. So somebody has to lead them. So that's why they have this shepherd that will lead them. And he leads them out into the pasture. And he helps to find a good place for them to eat. Because it not only has feed, food for them, but it has water for them. And it's interesting because the more I read about this feeding place that the pastures uh, provide, the shepherd has to be very aware of how much they're eating because inside the stomach of the sheep, there is actually a bacteria that grows. And if they eat too much food at one time, this bacteria begins to grow more and more and it will kill them within just a few hours. So the shepherds had to be very aware of what they were eating and how much water they could have with that to help flush their body and that they didn't overeat. Isn't that interesting? Isn't that interesting? So he would take them out and they would graze and they would get water. And then that night, uh, he would oftentimes, he, he might be out in the, in the mountains area or, or pasture area or wherever he is, he, he might not be in the city. He might just be out here in this area. So oftentimes they had built little sheep folds, if you will, um, to provide some protection for them. And these were just little fences that they'd stop, stacked a bunch of rocks around and made in a in a circle, and they would run their sheep into these little fenced-in areas, if you will. Sometimes they would find a cave if they were more around, a, uh, close to a mountain area. But they would run them into these little areas. And then the shepherd, he didn't have a door. He didn't have a gate. So what he did was he laid down before the entrance that the sheep would not come out while he was laying there. But anything that might come to harm them would have to come over him. And he would be alerted to that. And he would protect the sheep. The door. He was the door. And Jesus tells us right here, and um, 
me see. Uh, okay, verse 7. He says, Then Jesus said to them again, Most assuredly, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. Now, if he was in town, then they had an area provided over by the temple where you could actually bring your sheep and they could spend the night. So a shepherd would bring their sheep into these provided areas and there was a doorkeeper, a gatekeeper, who would watch over the sheep. And in the morning, then all the shepherds would come to get their sheep out of these areas. But then in the, in the city-type areas, or out just outside the city areas, they would have several shepherds that would bring lots of different sheep. And so the sheep would all get in there. Then in the morning, the shepherd would come. The doorkeeper would know that this was the right shepherd for the, and that he would get his sheep out of here. He wouldn't let just any person walk up there. But even if he did, they wouldn't follow him because what we know about sheep is the shepherd would go in and he would begin to call them. Now, I don't, cannot find what a sheep call sounds like. I can find a, a turkey call and a, <laughs> and a deer call. But I don't know what a sheep call sounds like. But it says that they begin to call the sheep, and the sheep know which shepherd to follow. So you may have four or five shepherds that come out there and come into the sheepfold, and then they say, listen, come and follow me, and they begin to call their sheep. And the sheep will go exactly with the right shepherd. One article that I was reading said it's interesting because occasionally if you are over in the Middle East, you will find someone that is actually driving sheep instead of sheep following them. And he said, but you can be sure of one thing. This is not a shepherd. This is someone who has bought these sheep and he's driving them to be butchered. Because the shepherd has the heart for the sheep. And the sheep have grown to understand and trust him. They uh, watch, uh, they have seen what he will do, and he watches after them. I wrote down a couple of things about shepherds and just was listing some things as the Lord was giving me yesterday. And, and one of the first things I wrote down is the shepherd leads. He leads the sheep by his voice. He leads the sheep by his voice. He provides for the sheep. He provides good pasture. He provides food, he provides water, he provides just the right amount. So he provides. He guards them. He keeps them from straying. 
it said that every now and then these sheep just start kind of wandering off and they don't even know. They just kind of wander off. And so he has to go get them and bring them back. But the funny thing is, is that as he wanders off, I mean, as this sheep wanders off over here to get them, and this shepherd goes over here to get that sheep, these sheep, they're coming right with the shepherd. So he gathers the sheep up and puts him back in with the group and then, you know, has them following back over here where they can have good pasture. He guards them. He guards them. He lays down before them and, and guards them. And uh, he protects them from the wild beast. And, and I love this understanding because, you know, in the Bible, wild beast is a picture of the demonic. And so the shepherd comes and lays down in this place and guards the door. But he also, throughout the day, guards them. As we were, re as we were talking about that, you know, uh, this place of, of the sheep and the bear... As they try to come, the shepherd would protect from the demonic and, and from the, the darkness that's there. Um, it also says that he, uh, that I wrote down that he lays down his life. He guards the door and he lays down his life. All these pictures we see of Jesus. And um, so as I saw these places and I began to understand this, I was reminded that everything that we read in the New Testament is defined in the Old Testament. So this place that Jesus is bringing to us to help us to understand and to help the Pharisees to see the truth of what he was saying, he's pulling from an Old Testament understanding. So I want to give you a couple of places to look at um, when I started looking this up to see this word, the very first place is, of course, one that's very familiar with us. It's on page 631, and it's Psalms Psalms 23. And it starts off, it says, The Lord is my shepherd. Now Jesus tells us over here in John, and we'll read this in just a few minutes, he says, I'm the good shepherd. Jesus is pulling from this understanding all the way through. This word is, uh, if you look it up, is roi, R-O-I, roi, Jehovah roi, Jehovah roi. And uh, this place of understanding that, that, G that God has placed in this place is a, not a new understanding. He's saying the Lord is my shepherd all the way back in the 23rd Psalms. But listen to what David writes here. He says, I shall not want. He understands this place of a good shepherd, that the shepherd would provide everything he needs, all that he needs to eat, all that he uh, needs for water, 
a place to be protected at night. He provides everything. And you see, he makes me lie down in green pastures. Why? Because he knows that's the place for you. That's where you need to be. This is where you need to eat. He leads me besides the still waters. The, the thing about these waters, as I read a little bit, it said that if the waters are, are rushing really fast like a river, the sheep won't eat from them. It's very fearful. They have to have calmer waters. And he restores my soul. He leads me in the path of righteousness for his name's sake. He does this for his name's sake, that he would be lifted up that he would be recognized as the good shepherd. And yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, and, and I just see these sheep out here and all these wild animals and everything, and he, he says, I will, I will fear no evil. I won't worry about it because my shepherd is watching over me. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table, before, a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runneth over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. That David's heart, he understood the heart of the father, the shepherd, so wonder where he got this understanding of shepherd. So as I dug a little more, it took me back to Genesis. Genesis 48 on page 57. So looking in verse, starting in verse 14. It says, Then Israel stretched out his right hand and laid it on Ephraim's head, who was the younger, and his left hand on Manasseh's head, guiding his hands knowingly, for Manasseh was the firstborn. And he blessed Joseph and said, God, before whom my father Abraham Isaac walk, the God who has fed me all my life long to this, all my life long to this day. The God who has fed me my, has fed me all my life, all my life long to this very day. That word fed right there is the same word as shepherd. It's this rowy. It's the same word as shepherd. So God began to help us understand even in the patriarchs of Abraham and Isaac and Jacob, that he was the God who would shepherd those who would be willing to follow. These are the understandings. I want to go back to John 10. And by the way, there's lots of, of scriptures on shepherds, so if you just want to do a study one day, you might go through and and do a little, a little look uh, through it and see a, a few more things that God might show you about the understanding of the Old Testament shepherds. But I want you to understand a couple of other things as we look in this place. This door. Jesus says in verse 7, he says, I am the door of the sheep. But then if you look down to verse 14, it says, I am the good shepherd. And I know my sheep, 
am, in known, am known by my own. So he's saying, I know my sheep and they know me. But he says, I'm the door. And then further down, he says, I'm the good shepherd. And I thought it was really interesting that in this place, God was, uh, Jesus was using both of these understandings. So I was asking him about this door. And he began to lead me to some scriptures and help, and help me to understand. He said, Deb, the door, where does the door enter into? What is this picture of this sheepfold? And I began to see that this door that Jesus is, is the entrance into his presence. You, sh you see, the sheep are with the good shepherd all day long. He's taking care of them. He's providing. And he's with them. But there's something that happens at night. There's something that happens, and they come to this time of rest where Jesus is the door. And it's an opportunity, and I'll, and I'll help you look at that a little more with some scripture, but it's an opportunity for us to come and to enter into the presence of the Lord. You know, it says they go in and out. It says they go in and out. Let me see what scripture that is. I'll have to look for just a minute. But they, they're going in and out of the world. But Jesus is with them on their trip through the day, whatever they're doing. The shepherd is with them, and Jesus is with you. But then when there is a time, a time, what I want to call a time of refreshing, a time of rest, you can come back into this place of where Jesus is the door and you can enter back into, and what are you entering into? There's a lot of thoughts about it out there, but I think what the Lord showed me is that what you enter into is his presence of rest into the very throne room. And you go, I don't know the difference. I don't understand the difference. And I want to tell you, there's a difference. I know it. I've been in it. I go to it. I find it. I need it. So Jesus is with me every day, and he's feeding me, and he's guiding me, and he's directing me, and he's doing all of these things a good shepherd does. But there is a point in time when he needs me to come into the sheepfold, into his presence that brings rest. Turn with me to Revelation. Let me see. Revelation, I believe it's on page 1410. You can put your marker here. We'll come back to this. Chapter 4, Revelation chapter 4, verse 1. Page 1410. After these things I looked, and behold, a door standing open in heaven. And the first voice which I heard was like a trumpet speaking with me, saying, Come up here, 
and I will show you things which, you must, which must take place after this. Immediately I was in the Spirit, and behold, a throne set in heaven, and one set on the throne. A door. John is writing about something that happened to him. God is opening his understanding, but he brings him to this understanding that there's a door. I'm going to use the word portal just to help us to kind of think through. A pathway is really, I'll use a pathway. How about that? An opportunity for us to enter in somewhere. Jesus said, I'm in the door. I'm the door. I'm the door to what? To enter in somewhere. Where is it that we're entering? I am here to tell you it's in the throne room of his presence. His desire is to be such a good shepherd to you. But we can't miss the door. Because there is so much power in understanding that he has a place that he wants to draw us into every day. I don't think it has to be at night. I don't think it has to be in the morning. I think it can be any time that you need to be back in this place of the sheepfold. And in that place, you can enter into something that is even beyond just walking with Jesus through the day. It's a place of intimacy. It's a place of him talking to you. It's a place where his sheep hear his voice, and they know him, and he knows them. And he will tell them things, just like he's telling John, things that they do not know. not for our glory, but like it said in Psalms 23, for his name's sake. He desires to have this relationship with you, which is wonderful for us. But it's for his glory that he wants us in this place to refresh us, to restore us. to give us rest, to give us peace. Turn with me back to John 10. I want to I finish up a couple of things by reading on here. In verse, um, verse 7, he says, I am the door to the sheep. And then verse 8, he says, And all who ever came before me, I'm sorry, it's on page 1235, if you're, tw page 1235, John 10, page 1235. So verse 8, it says, And all... Whoever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. 
He's not talking about Moses and Abraham and Isaac. He's talking about people that God had uh, placed in a position as religious leaders that were called shepherds, that were to look after the sheep and that were to feed the sheep. But these people did not. They made up their own laws. They made up their own ways. And they drove and scattered the sheep. Maybe we'll look at a couple of places in just a minute about that, but I want to go on to something else here. It says, And they were, they came, uh, and all who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door, and if anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out and find pasture. You see what he's saying right there? He will be saved. You see, you cannot come to salvation without this intimate place of relationship with Jesus. You have it when it first happens to you. When Jesus calls you and like a sheep, you follow him into salvation. But so many times, that's the end of it. We don't come back to the door. We don't come back to this place to find this place of intimacy with Jesus. But he says, you can go in and out and find pasture. But the door, don't forget the door. Then verse 10 says, and the thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. Now, I want you to listen to me right now. All my life, I have, well, these last few years, I have not understood this verse completely. Because I've thought about this verse as being Satan. And I would say Satan comes to steal, kill, and destroy. How many of you said that? It is true. Satan is that all of those things. And all of this does have a bearing here and belongs going back to Satan. But here's what he's talking about. He's not talking about Satan here. He's talking about the Pharisees. He's talking about people in their lives that are thieves and robbers that come to steal the truth, that come to kill and to destroy what God's purpose is and what he's doing. And you say, how do you get that? Because that's who he, that's chapter 9. Remember, we ended in chapter 9. He's talking to the Pharisees. And he's coming right here, and he's telling them they are the ones that are doing this. So hold your marker right here and turn with me to uh, Ezekiel 34. It's on page 997. Page 997, Ezekiel 34. Verse 1, And the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Son of man, prophesy against the shepherds of Israel. Who? The religious leaders of Israel 
the shepherds. Prophesy and say to them, thus says the Lord God to the shepherds, woe to the shepherds of Israel who fed themselves. Should not the shepherds feed the flock? In other words, they were taking, taking from the people, from God's children, from the from the congregation, if you will. You eat the fat and clothe yourselves with the wool. You slaughter the fatlings, but you do not feed the flock. What does he want them to be fed with? His truth. His words, his laws. But they've, they've enlarged it. They've changed it. They, they are doing all kinds of evil things. The weak you have not strengthened, nor have you healed those who were sick nor bound up the broken, nor brought back what was driven away, nor sought what was lost, but with force and cruelty you have ruled them. Wow. Let's read that again. The weak you have not strengthened. Church, that's our responsibility, to strengthen the weak. Nor have you healed those who were sick, nor bound up the broken, nor brought back what was driven away, nor sought what was lost, but with force and cruelty you have ruled them. So they were scattered because there was no shepherd, and they became food for all the beasts of the fields, when they were scattered. The demonic took over when they were scattered. My sheep wandered through all the mountains and on every high hill, yes, my flock was scattered over the whole face of the earth and no one was seeking or searching for them. It goes on and on. But this is what Jesus is referring to when he says they came before me and they were thieves and robbers. They were religious leaders and the Pharisees had joined right into this understanding and they were doing the same thing. But what I want to tell you is there are the same kind of things going on today with God's truth. Yes, Satan is the root of this, but he is using people to do his work. He uses thieves and robbers to fulfill his purpose. I think if you look back on uh, John, maybe John, um, um, John 8, one page back, John 8, verse 44, it says, You are of your father, the devil. And the desires of your father you want to do. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth. Do you hear what I'm saying? Because there was no truth in him. And when he speaks a lie, he speaks from his own resources, for he is a liar and the father of it. So he's used people to do his work. To steal, to kill, and to destroy. It comes from the very source of the enemy. But I think we have to see it in the fullness that it is that Satan is using people to bring destruction. And we have to wake up. But I want you to go on. Let's read on. And he says... um, 
in that verse 10, he says, but I, they, um, I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. Now, why is he saying this right here? This place where the enemy is coming and stealing what God is doing and, and not feeding his, his flock the truth. That is what I want you to hear. That's what's being stolen. It's God's ways and the heart of the Father and the truth of his word from the beginning of this Bible to the end of this Bible. That's what's being destroyed. But Jesus says, come and, and I will give you this life more abundantly. I want to tell you, I believe what he showed me is this is the door. This place that goes in to this intimate place that the Lord will begin to teach you, show you, open your understanding is abundant. It's the place of rest. It's the place in his presence. I was studying on Friday morning, and, and I had been studying for quite a while. And, um, but all of a sudden, he began to open my understanding to this door. And I realized I had entered in. I want to tell you that. Because you can as well. That's the heart of Jesus for all of us. Is to be able to enter in to somewhere else. He's the door into that place. And, he, and it brings abundant life. It, it refreshes. It restores. It gives life. It gives rest. It's an intimate place that draws us to him. But what the enemy does is he keeps us in a world of busyness. And he uses things to steal from us and to, to destroy what God has for us. And he can do that in church congregations. And he can do that outside of the church and your daily walk. He is coming to steal, and he uses other people to do this oftentimes. And we're not encouraged to come and enter into this place. I want to read a little further here. In verse 11, he says, then he says, listen to this, I am the good shepherd. And the good shepherd gives his life for the sheep. But then he says, but a hareling, he is who is not the shepherd, one who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf, wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees, and the wolf catches the sheep and scatters them. And the hireling flees because he is a hireling and does not care about the sheep. A hireling is someone that's hired. 
someone's hired to do the job. And I, I was thinking about this, and I'm going to give you some scriptures before this ends. Um, maybe we'll look at those scriptures. No, maybe just maybe I'll tell you this. So, because this place of being hired means who are you responsible to now? It's whoever pays you. And a lot of God's truth has been destroyed because there's a lot of people being paid to teach a certain thing, to lead a church in a certain way, to put on great entertainment, to have, you know, an atmosphere, to have an emotional time, an experience when you come. And, and it troubles me because I see this verse and I see this hiring and these people are hired. And now they're no longer responsible to the shepherd. They're responsible to the one who's paying. It troubles me. Hold your scripture right here. I'm just going to give you a couple of these places that I... Um, 2 Timothy, it's on page 1368. 2 Timothy chapter 4, page 1368. I charge you, therefore, before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who will judge the living and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom. Now, I want to tell you, when God began to teach me some things and I began to teach God's word to other people, even way back in our, in our, when I had a life, we, Roger and I had a life group, God gave me this scripture and he said these very words to me. And he said, I charge you, Deb, therefore, because, before God, and the Lord Jesus Christ, who will judge the living and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom. Preach the word, be ready in season and out of season, convince, rebuke, exhort, and with all long suffering and teaching. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. But according to their own desires, because they have itching ears, they will heap up for themselves teachers. And they will turn their ears away from the truth and be turned aside to fables. You must be, it says, but you be watchful in all things, endure affliction, and do the work of an evangelist. Fulfill your ministry. But I want you to see that right there. The time is going to come that they will no longer endure sound doctrine. But they'll have itchy ears. They want to be taught what they want to hear. And then they're going to turn away from the truth and turn aside to, to fables, to myths, to things that aren't true. One more I want to give you is Acts uh, 20. It's on page 1281.
verse 28. says, therefore, take heed to yourself and to all the flock among which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to shepherd the church of God, which he purchased with his own blood. For I know this, that after my departure, savage wolves will come in among you, not sparing the flock. Also, from among yourselves, men will rise up, speaking perverse things, to draw away the disciples after them. Troubling. Troubling place. There are these thieves and robs, I'm sorry, robbers, and these hirelings. But Jesus tells us back in And I am known by my own. As the Father knows me, even so I know the Father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. And the other sheep I have, which are not of this fold, them also I must bring. And they will hear my voice. And there will be one flock and one shepherd. So he's joining the Jewish people and the Gentile people into one flock. Therefore, my Father loves me because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay down my, myself. I have power to lay it down, and I have power to take it up again. This commandment I have received from my Father. The Good Shepherd the good shepherd. He brings so many great things. But I want to I show you one last thing because I, 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 before we close here is that this whole place is talked about the shepherd and the door and this place of the sheep hearing and following. And in that verse 16, it says, And the sheep which I have are not of this fold, them, they also, I, them also I must bring, and they will hear my voice. You see that? Mm-hmm. And then, um, let me see where the other one is. I, I love for you to see it. Mm-hmm. And he hears my voice. Okay, verse 4. And when he brings out his own sheep he goes before them and the sheep follow him for they know his voice the great things of the good shepherd have no benefit for anyone who does not hear his voice I thought it was interesting as I was thinking about this place of hearing because uh, we've studied on Friday nights that God gave to Moses a place to bring to the children of Israel in Deuteronomy called the Shema. And it starts out, it starts out, Hear, O Israel. He's saying, I want to say something to you. 
here. Listen up. I'm telling you something. Over and over and over again throughout the Bible, I see places where in the Old Testament and in the New Testament where it's saying, listen, hear. You have to hear. In, in Revelation, uh, John writes that Jesus is speaking to the, to the children. I'm sorry, to the churches, to the churches in Revelation. And all of the churches, seven churches, he says, you have to hear. Let me think what it says exactly. But it said, listen and hear. Let me look for that for you. It's in Revelation 2. Uh-huh. He says, he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. He's saying, listen to he who has an ear. Let him hear. And didn't Jesus say over and over again, he says, if you have eyes to see and ears to hear. The thing I believe that God is showing me today is the place that he's talking to is that there are Pharisees out there. There are people in your lives even that are heralings or that are thieves and robbers that steal the truth, that steal the abundant life from you because you have not gone daily through the door to have this refreshing, to have this rest, to have this place of intimacy with Jesus. You see, what I saw is that the shepherds led the sheep through the door every day. Now the sheep was with the shepherd all day long and I know this to be true because I've seen it in my own life there is a place where Jesus is with me all day long in my busyness in my daily work in my going to the grocery store in my doing the laundry he's with me and he's feeding me and he's helping me but here's the difference if I haven't taken the opportunity that is there to go through the door into this place to find that throne room in his presence. I've missed the abundant life. That's what I want you to hear today is when Jesus came and said, but I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. What are you saying? More fully. It doesn't mean you're going to be wealthier. It doesn't mean everything's going to work out like you want it to. It doesn't mean that you're just going to be bubbly and, and silly because, you know, life is just giddy, giddy, giddy. That, that's not abundant life. Abundant life is in the throne room with him and in his presence. I love this word. If you're here today first thing is you need to know that you're a sheep. Because it's only through his sheep that you're going to find salvation. Being his sheep. It's the picture and the understanding of salvation. 
But if you're here today and you know that you're his sheep, but you haven't had this place I'm talking about, this place of walking through the door into the throne room, God wants you to have that place. He does. It's for all of us. It's not just for me. It's not for a few. This is written to everybody. He was even talking to the Pharisees, if they were willing. And he's talking to each of us. But here's the thing. It requires that we decide to go through the door. So if you're here today and there's any place that we can pray with you for um, this place of, of walking through the door, for this place of intimacy that the Father wants with you through the door, through Jesus, or if this place of, of even you feel like you're a sheep, but you've wandered off. You've been one of these little lambs, that, the little sheep that went wandering off through the thickets, and there's all kinds of burrs in your, in your wool, and you just need to come back. The shepherd wants to pick you up and bring you home. So if there's any place we can pray with you, our elders will be in the back. Thank you.
So quiet my heart, I'm listening. 